You're listening to The Life of Try. It's triathlon for your ears. We are back. A week hiatus, live from the Pauly Kuru studios of triathlon. Phil Rockner and Kevin McKinnon, the man behind Triathlon Magazine Canada, the most awesome of all the magazines of triathlon. Kevin, howdy. Hey, good morning. I feel like we've used the Poly Kuro uh, studio before, so you're you're losing your touch a bit. This this week of holiday has has got you off your game. I think, Kevin. Let me just uh, articulate my love for the man of Poly Kuro. So I may use him a lot um, because he is a enormous individual in the world of triathlon and was hugely influential on my young self. There you yeah. go. And uh, hey, I, I understand uh, birthday wishes are in order. Happy, uh, happy birthday oh. or belated birthday. God, I know. Like I'm an old, old man now. This is ridiculous. Never thought I'd get here. Um, and I do appreciate uh, that, Kevin. Thank you. Um, it is, yeah, standing on the the half century is weird. It do, You know what? It does... Does lend yourself to a bit of introspection, though, Kevin. A bit of introspection this week, which is an interesting one um, that I think that I, I went through over the last couple of weeks leading into this, you know, this number. So it's been a good time. There you go. Well, 50, uh, 50 does you well, <laughs> even though you still, you still sound like uh, an immature 20-year-old half the time. Hey, do you know my love of um my my love of gender reveals is only equal to my love of uh finish line proposals. Um I think gender reveals are the dumbest things ever. I I can't stand them. I, I hate them. Um and for those of you who don't know what a gender reveal is, remain blissfully ignorant of what that is. Um really don't like well, it. You know, here in North America, you sort of want to be a little more specific. This is where people reveal the gender of their upcoming. Yeah, child. Sorry, so, <laughs> don't want to wade into that pool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just making sure that everyone is 100 percent clear that Phil is not trying to stir any pots. No, here. I I have no no feeling on any of that. I I have a feeling on gender reveals is, you know, like, and there's, you know, there'd be the dude who tees up the golf ball and when he hits it, it all turns blue or, you know, they let off, they, they puncture a balloon and it showers them with pink confetti or something. I mean, I mean, I know it's a great, I can't stand it. I just, it's not me, but I also, the whole finish line on, um, uh, proposal too, I'm really not at all cool with that. Um, invariably it involves some dude who's been running, you know, into the night and they're punch drunk. So they don't really know what they're doing. Um, and then they do the whole bended knee thing and it's a whole, uh, and you would have, have you announced any of those when you've been commentating? I have, I have done a few. Mm. Yeah. Um, I always feel badly. Um, as you say, it's, it's most often, um, a guy proposing to a woman, but, um, I do enjoy when, um, it's a female athlete. I've had that a few times come across mm. and, and the, the boyfriend waits for them to finish and then proposes. Um, I think that's kind of cool. Um, 
but uh, I always feel badly because I just don't know how the person could ever say yeah. no in that scenario, right? So you're 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 kind of stuck. You are, and I was watching. I went down a rabbit hole of this on one of the social media platforms, and it was a whole lot of them, and where they went, <laughs> where they went wrong, and they just said no, and oh. my horribly gleefully cynical heart was watching with much joy as people just getting shot down in public. I'm thinking we, we joked about it. I know I did a carbo night back in the day when they used to have carbo nights for those young kids who don't know what a carbo night is. It's when they used to have a big, do they still do them at Ironman? Do they still have carbo nights? Uh, pretty much the only one. Uh, so Kona obviously, and then uh, uh, Ironman Mont-Tremblant um, still does one. And other than that, Ooh, I, I don't think they do. Like they hand out um, uh, certificates or, yeah, coupons so people can go and eat in the local places. And most of the uh, um, online brief or most of the, most of the briefings are now done online. Well, so yeah, not a whole lot on the banquet front no, anymore. No, and the carbo nights were were fun. Like I I, I have called. I, don't, I haven't called that many Imans. I reckon probably ten. But we used to do the Carbo Night, and that was all part of your gig as a commentator. So you'd go in and you'd, you'd do that, and, and there'd be a tent full of a 1,000 people, and you'd have a few people up there and some pros, and you'd have a bit of a laugh, and it was always good fun. And we used to always just uh, make the gag, um, you know, proposals, and we'd say, oh, yeah, you know, but hopefully it goes better than last year when, you know, he got knocked back. And it would get raucous laughter. It was a guaranteed zinger you know, with the crowd when you used to say that. It was really funny. But we never got it. I got a couple, but they always said yes, much to my disappointment, Kevin. Oh, there you go. So I remember uh, seeing you um, at Ironman Western Australia uh, with your um, with the carbo load gig that you guys yep. were doing. And uh, you had quite the extensive uh, little gag about sharks. Oh, yeah which I didn't find funny at all. I wasn't even racing. And I was like, oh, man, guys, like, this is not funny. Not in Western Australia. Like, you're just, ah. Uh, well, so, Kevin, can uh, I tell you, though, that, like, I'll tell you a story about that because we would do that and it was our big shtick. You know, we'd do the, the joke about the sharks and we'd go, oh, you know, don't worry. Sharks only attack people who, you know, who look like seals. And we'd flash up a dude wearing an orca wetsuit or something like that and be like, you know, ha, 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 everyone would laugh. Well, that was Simon Beaumont too. And Simon Beaumont is a local Western Australian and a terrific bloke. Um, Pete Murray was with us as well and, and you know, the usual suspects. And, and Bowie used to say to us, he'd say, one year he said to us, we can't make that joke anymore. And he was working in the, um, in a government bureau and he said, look, there's been that many shark attacks over here. You can't make that joke. And I was like, but that's a killer. We get a laugh. He's like, dude, just no. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Phil Rockner to a T, yeah. right? Like, oh, but I don't care if people have been getting eaten by sharks. Like, it's a good it's joke. It's a bloody good joke. And and it's funny because I surf a lot. And, and I was actually, I surfed for a couple of hours today, Kevin. And um, I, I did, it was funny. I, I was thinking about sharks today. For some reason, I was out at the back and it was really a lot of water moving today. Good surf, but a lot of water moving. And I, I was just thinking, is a shark going to swim against this to get me? Or am I okay? I was thinking that. Anyway, um, in Western Australia, though, a friend of mine, um, shout out to Shocker, who was racing, he saw a six-foot great white 
on the um, Bustleton jetty one day and had to report it, had to phone it in to let them know that there was a shark hanging around the area, which was pretty frightening. So, yeah, we did stop making that joke, but it was, you know, with much regret that I stopped making it. There we go. Yeah, no, and I, uh, I, I got to go up in the helicopter uh, before the race that goes out and checks for sharks. Oh, right. And um, it was really funny to see there was a there was a big old whale shark out there. Yep. Um, so I was kind of pointing down at the guys. Oh yeah, no, it's just a whale shark. We're just looking for the great whites. <laughs> um, so just a whole different world of of <laughs> shark viewing and approaches to sharks that you guys have. Oh. Us Canadians aren't nearly as tough as you Aussies when it comes to shark stuff. Oh, we look, you know, we all surf and down here, especially where I am, of course, on the west coast of Victoria, we it's just par for the course, I think. And and look, we get dolphin visits, which are really fun when you figure out they're dolphins. Before you figure them out, you're like, oh shit, but they end up being dolphins, which is fine. But it's funny because at Ironman Cairns, and when Challenge first landed in Cairns, which is in far north Queensland in the tip of Australia, they used to start the race at Yorkie's Knob, which is a a little outcrop. And the locals were all absolutely aghast that they were running a swim there. And I'd said to them, well, uh, the sharks. And they said, mate, don't worry about the sharks. The crocs have eaten all the sharks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you do. There you go. I don't know what you do with it. Um, We're going to be just. The the popular crew with uh, everyone who has to race it, I can never say, I, I want to say Cairns, yeah. but um, I know that's not the way I'm supposed to say it no. in Western Australia. But no. I, And I, I will undermine, and, and you're attesting to this because you've been part of the process that they do. Um, there's a lot of organization around marine life in, in Australian triathlons. So, um, you know, you are, you are quite okay to, to come here and, and use our country to race because it is beautiful and the marine life will generally, Kevin, generally leave you alone. There you go. You just have to worry about Phil running you over and on his surfboard. You are a speed hump. If you're in my way, dude, you get run over. Absolutely. Um, so we're here to talk about. So are we going to talk triathlon at all, or just about you sharks know what? and I crocodiles? I enjoyed the start of this one. Um, let's talk about some triathlon. Um, isn't it interesting um, that we still have, um, uh, you know, watching? Um, sorry, we still have uh, uh, Gwen Jorgensen. We're still watching, um, and we are still seeing what's going on with uh, her comeback. And it's it's quite interesting, isn't it, how she's made this, um, you know, transition from, you know, legend runner uh, back into legend triathlete. Well, yeah, how, how much fun was that? Like, I, and I don't know if new mom is, if I'm in trouble for saying that. I just did, you know, the new mom superstars, uh, Katie Zafaris. And uh, boy, so Katie's... Katie had a son, Kimball. There we go, last July. And then um, uh, Gwen had a son, a second son. I think it was in October. Um, and both of them are gunning after the Olympic Games in 2024, uh, just adding to an already insanely competitive group of uh, U.S. women who are trying to make that Olympic team. So, yeah. Um, yeah, if, if you want to be an Olympian and you're a woman, uh, just it is really a good idea to not be from the U.S. or Great Britain right now. Um, 
because uh, those two countries, like they both could field, I would guess three competitive teams yeah. of you know three women. Like there's got to be eight or nine women who could be competitive uh, from those countries at the Olympics, and uh, they only get to send three at the most. So. Yeah. Um, just crazy. And yeah, Katie Zafaris. Oh my goodness. Like if you'd told me she was going to lead from, you know, do a Flora Duffy race and, and lead from the gun, um, to, to win that race, I would have said, yeah, I don't know that she's quite there yet, but she's there yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's moving so very pretty well. impressive. And it, it's an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. What those two countries have, because on the men's side, well, in the, in the British, um, they are, have been stacked forever. It feels like they're just, you know, passing the torch. Um, they are super strong, and it is them versus the world right now in my book. Um, it's certainly not going to be uh, a walk in the park, but, geez, they start they start so strong already. Um, it is going to be tough to see what happens with both of those. Um, and also, uh, you had a ton of your Canadian kids in the men's field in Missouri. Oh, that was that was just um you know five in the top ten uh Charles Paquet keep an eye on him uh you know I've been my son raced against him quite a bit when uh, my son was still racing mm-hmm. as a junior and so I've seen Charles since he was uh you know 16 17 18 years old and um you know real deal uh super strong runner um I think he's got a great shot at uh, representing. Canada at the Olympics next year. Um, Jeremy Briand, um, another Quebec athlete who sort of, you know, is quietly you know, doing his best to um, to get into that Olympic mix as well. Um, so, yeah, it's, you know, just crazy. Another uh, mention, uh, a former runner star, running star, uh, Russell Pennock, um, his sister represented Canada at the Commonwealth. So I don't think uh, she ever made it to the Olympics, but uh, certainly Commonwealth Games, and um, you know, so yeah, we got we got some talent uh, sort of brewing around. Um, so you know, Tyler Mislichuk, obviously still uh, the the top sort top ranked Canadian and the guy that everyone's pinning their hopes on. Um, but we do have some. Uh, development athletes coming along here and uh, Charles Paquet leading leading the uh, field on that one. So yeah, big day for Canada down mm. there. And it's um you know like it's it seems weird that we're already talking about the Olympics, doesn't it? You know, um in twenty four, um you know the whole COVID thing. It just it's yeah it's just coming around so quickly that these um teams will be resolved um in, in short. Yeah. Well, and, and sorry, just one more thing on that. Uh, so behind the, you know, the new moms, uh, Emily Kretz was uh, third uh, in that race, Dominika Jamnicki fourth. So uh, those two um, will certainly be gunning after an Olympic spot too. Emily uh, going after her third Olympic Games in, in 2024. So, um, and Domi, uh, Domi's gone to a couple of Commonwealth Games. So, yeah, it should be... Um, It'll be an interesting run over the next year to see how our Canadians fare, and um, you know, be it's a tough slog to get three uh, men or women from on the Canadian front, but certainly uh, we should be uh, sending two of each over there, and you know, we'll see how we how we, how things. Fare. It's tough, isn't it? Like being an Olympic athlete is so I think so ridiculous in that you know you've got four hour uh, four years to peak for two hours, and you must time that peak. 
um, to perfection. It's a, it's such a hard thing. And it's, you know, all sports I know sit on that Olympic roster and, you know, for the most part they're, you know, like things, even like swimming, which in Australia is, is you know, the Australian swim team is, is pretty decent. You know, they kind of go um, silent for the three years and then everyone gets excited about swimming again in, in every four years. You know, they get their moment in the sun, as it were, because obviously ball sports dominate most of the world. Um, but yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like it's a, it's such a, it's a, such a tough science to get right with, with the way they race it. But uh, Kevin, also while we were away uh, last week, we had the arena uh arena games and um it was uh an interesting one with um i guess two favorites getting up interesting watching eden get around um but once again uh they've looked they put on a good show don't they the, the arena games is not everyone's cup of tea maybe but it is something that has gone and gained traction and and, and makes some sense yeah, it's, you know, interesting seeing the comments afterwards. Um, they're actually, uh, there's talk about trying to get this into into the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a bizarre concept of kind of watching, you know, basically you see people swim and then you watch a video game, right? Now, it's... Um, yeah, you are actually you, you do actually get to see people on a treadmill and on a stationary bike. But you know, if can you imagine if I was talking to you, uh, twenty five year old Phil Rockman, and saying, <laughs> "Hey, um, you know, we're going to have an Olympic event where we're going to watch people ride a stationary yeah. bike." Um, what do you think about that? You would have just laughed yeah. at me, right? And so it is. Well, you laugh at me anyway. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I, I do, you know, I applaud what they're doing. I applaud that, uh, we're going after the, um, you know, just trying to get more eyeballs on the sport, uh, absolutely critical and everything. But sometimes I just have to take a step back and think this is, this is yeah. out there. Yep. Um, interesting, you, and it, um, article you wrote, um, on the website, um, about Lionel Sanders. Now, there. If you're not up with this, get on to Triathlon Magazine um, Canada's website. It's absolutely brilliant. It's full of all really good stuff and easy to read stuff, which is what I love about your work, Kevin. Is that you are you could be sitting on a train or you could be anywhere, and you can get on it and you can absorb it. But the article that you wrote, which I read with interest a couple of days ago, was around um, Lionel Sanders and how he is um, responding to the PTO posting a quote from an inverted commas mystery pro who said that Sanders no longer could compete. Now, if you haven't seen this as well, this was on, I believe, Facebook that it came up with and it was posted and it had the quote, his window of opportunity has closed. And the PTO were asking the question, do you agree with the Mystery Pro? Our Mystery Pro makes their predictions for the 23 season ahead. Um, I'm gonna, I just, I'm just going to call bullshit on this. Um, I don't love it. I'll be honest with you. They did the same uh, over at Cycling Tips uh, a number of years ago. This is not new. This is not, not a new concept, PTO. This is just, I don't know, it's, it's scuttlebutt. It's, you know, put your name to something. Put your name to something or, you know, don't tee off on people. And I think, Kevin, having done this for a number of years and having encountered as you probably would have, although you don't because you're lovely, um, you know, I've encountered the wrath of professional athletes, their managers, 
their parents, their girlfriends, wives, husbands, trainers, fucking the person who vacuums their house, when you write something negative about an athlete. I've always said <laughs> that if you don't want to comment on an, or be commented on as an athlete, then be an age grouper and we won't comment on you. But as soon as you put a pro number on, then I have the right, like everybody else, to probably comment on your performance. And if you have a dud, I'm going to call it. And I always have. Now, I've always put my name to it, though. I quite happily say, hey, Kevin, you raced last week and you came 14th and it was a rubbish race for you. And I would call it. And that's how journalism works. You stick your name to something and then you make a call. I find this sort of reporting, yeah, and, Kevin. And, and just... Just to, you know, I think it's totally fine to be critical. It's when it's when these things get personal. Um, and but what what often happens is you're you're being critical um, and then the person takes it as a personal attack or whatever. And and yeah, I, and I, I totally get it. I'm I'm sort of annoyed here because uh, the best podcasts are when the two people disagree. But I'm with you 100 yeah. percent. Um, like what the hell? Like, no, you don't get to put, um, you know, mystery pro up there, but so now I'm going to put on the other hat, you know, Hey, the PTO, um, it just, um, reinforces to me that the idea here is they're, they're not being journalists, right? They're being entertainers and that's what the PTO wants to do. Um, I just, you know, this, it just feels so much like, uh, the two Sam's battle around Collins cup last year, right? Like, you know, it just, they, they, the PTO, they gone on to that and they just grabbed it and would not let go. Yeah. Right. Like it was a dog, a dog on a bone. that was just like, I got this and I am, I'm going to take this and run with this. Um, and it just feels like that same kind of thing, trying to, uh, trying to just engender some rage, um, to get hits and clicks and attention and stuff. And yeah, I just, I just don't feel like we need any more of that in, you know, especially in triathlon. No, I agree. I think it's, I, look, as I said, I just, it's a dick move. I'm sorry. I, I, I agree with a lot of things that the PTO do. I just think this is just stirring shit up. It's mystery pro. I'm like, give me a spell. Like I said, cycling tips did this years ago. Wade had a, a pro who was writing, you know, different things around the Peloton and things like that that were going on the pro tour. So it's not new, but I just think it, it, the PTO needs to be like, I see his angle because he was a publication. This is the PTO who who apparently are representing triathletes, but, uh, you know, putting one of them down. I'd be quite happy to stand right in front of Lionel Sanders and say, hey, dude, I think your window's shut because that's what I would look at. I wouldn't see it as a, you know, any badge of honor to just, you know, call myself the mystery podcaster and then, you know, start putting the guy in the bin already. Now, has his window shut? I don't know. It's probably he's fired a number of shots. But, you know, if I was going to say that, I would I would clearly say it and I wouldn't have a problem saying it to his face. You know, like we asked. We, well, and that's how it works. What's so hilarious is um, Lionel Sanders is the first one to say all of this stuff. Right. Like, you know, he comes out with a video to say, I'm not going to Ibiza or Ibiza because I'm not swimming fast enough. I can't be competitive in that race. Yeah. So, um, so, you know, mystery pro tell Lionel something he already doesn't know. Yeah. Um, if, if he doesn't clean up his act in the water, 
he's not going to be competitive for a world championship. He's 100% aware of that. That's why he's taking a step back and making some changes. So that's wrong. um, And, 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 you know, and, and what it's, yeah. And what I struggle with is that um, it's just so hard on the, you know, to be a triathlon journalist right now, because people are getting their information from Lionel Sanders, from the PTO, from uh, from these kind of places, as opposed to uh, going to triathlete or triathlonmagazine.ca and that kind of thing. Um, you know, they're, they're getting so much of their stuff through the social media. Social media is driven through rage, right? Like those algorithms um, just are, are driven to grab stuff that is going to get people really angry because they click on yeah. that. Yeah, um, nothing. This and, is not a new and concept, so, and it's, you know, we are a society of outrage. Nothing fuels us, as you said, yeah. Kevin. We love to be outraged, you know. And I might have used this example before. I, I take a photo with my dog, and you know, and I'd say out walking the dog, and I'd have ten people comment saying, "Hey, what a lovely looking dog," because he is. And then I'd have one person saying, "Oh, the collars, the the, the collars on too tight. It's the wrong type for that sort of dog." And just some outraged asshole would just want to put that up there because they can make a comment, you know. We don't need any more of this. We don't need anonymous fueling this sort of stuff. It's a great comment. Maybe the window has shut and it's a great discussion. But let's just, you know, let's put a name to it at least. Good Lord. Another um, yeah. another volume out of the uh, out of the tome that is Triathlon is Stupid catalog is the scheduling, Kevin. And as we know, uh, Ibiza, which is the um, PTO's big dance, and it's getting a lot of um, uh, a lot of people, uh, athletes, I should say, sorry, signing up. Um, also, uh, the fact that it, there is another race uh, on the same day. What the hell? Yeah, well, this is so, yeah, sort of an interesting one on that front because you've got uh, the PTO, they're desperately trying to figure out how to put on events, right? Um, and they're obviously in a money-saving mode um, as well. Uh, you know, the, the the reality is starting to hit uh, in terms of you know, just how much money they've got and where they can hand it out and um, do stuff, right? So they're, they're in a money-saving mode. So they have join forces with the world triathlon. So the Ibiza event is going to be incorporated into uh, the world triathlon multi-sport weekend or multi-sport week, right? So um, the day after that is the long course world championship, um, which has attracted some big names as well. I I heard yesterday, um, sounds like Canadian Cody Beals is probably going to be there. I think Joe Skipper has signed up. Um, you know, so they're getting some decent names looking to do that as well. So you've got, um, so world triathlon has a big event going on. Um, the, uh, PTO has a big event going on. And then of course, Ironman has, um, 70.3 St. George, which is the North American pro championship as well. Um, so yeah, it's just kind of wacky that um that you know this is how things are going to go but you know i i, I don't know if you noticed I, I did a story on i guess it was friday or saturday i think i posted this um on friday night chris kermode the uh chairman the pto 
uh, chairman um, sent a letter out to the pro athletes in which they, you know, out outlining a strategy, which is excellent. I, I think uh, the pros have been wanting to get a feel for what Chris Kermode is thinking. Um, and for those who don't know, like his background is uh, Association of Tennis Professionals. So um, he comes from uh, some pretty good stock in terms of the, um, you know, he was the former executive chairman and president of the Association of Tennis Professionals. Um, so he knows the, you know, the whole shtick of getting the sport some attention and all that kind of thing. So um, I think people have just kind of wanted to know, hey, what's your plan? And so he kind of outlined that, which is, I want to see the top athletes competing each against each other a bunch of times. Yeah, so exactly what you were asking 100%. for, right? So a Formula One, uh, the, you know, uh, ATP, uh, Women's Tennis Association, uh, the PGA, um, those kind of things. We want to see the top pros racing a bunch yeah, of times. None of this is, none um, of this is news to anybody. And, but I liked what he said, right? This guy's come from the tennis world. He says the sport needs a season-long narrative. Of course it does. I don't want to know halfway through the season that there's 27 different races with 27 different results that mean shit to anyone. I need a ladder. I need a championship table. I need something because that's what I'm conditioned to. The sport needs consistency, he says. The same regular faces, and I'm quoting your article here, the same regular faces and names competing head-to-head. Of course we need that. Sport must focus on its very top athletes. Of course, because I don't, unfortunately, and I'm going to put my name to this, you know, the 150th best pro in the world might not have the same pull as the second or first or third best athlete in the world on both sides of the gender house here. And then the last one is that the sport, you know, um, needs to harness unique advantage and showcase its host city environment. This is where the Tour de France has been very successful. I don't know what compels me to sit down and watch a bunch of bike riders going through, you know, a French village with someone telling me about the chateau there. I'll tell you why, because they've got beautiful pictures. They drop a shit ton of cash on it and they make sure the thing doesn't drop out and is hosted by competent uh, um, commentators that can do the job. There's not a, none of this is, is, and this guy seems to. Okay, seems to have harnessed this, doesn't he? I mean, this is a guy who, um, you know, Chris Commode, as we said, you come from tennis, you get a real sharp look at all of this stuff. Now, I'd be, you know, more than happy to support this guy because I think what he's saying makes complete sense. Um, and and this is the formula. And he's just articulated it. Yeah, and and I think um, it's it's just interesting because, uh, as part of this whole formula, um, the PTOs kind of said, yeah, we're, we're maxing out at 100K uh, races. So it, it's just ironic to me that the organization that started up to help Ironman athletes, right? This whole thing was started because, um, you know, a, a dude was out riding with an Ironman pro and finished at top 10 at the Ironman World Championships a bunch or championship a bunch of times and could barely make a living. And he was like, this is insane. Um, and so, uh, you know, he, he got all of this stuff together to try and help Ironman athletes. And in the end, we're 
we're you know going to be focused on athletes who are moving up from short course racing basically is what what uh wh where this is going to land um and you know ultimately hopefully this is great for the sport that we're able to um you know have a a true professional uh field and and environment out there um but there's going to be some growing pains and some of the folks who are focused on long distance racing uh, they're just, they're not going to be part of this picture. But you can't, um, you can't which is the Ironman, the Ironman has no, Ironman racing has no continuity about it, right? Ironman racing is great for a one-off, but you can't do it, you know, five times a year. It doesn't work like that. There's probably three or four athletes in the world on both sides of the men and women's house who can do that. Everyone else goes, no, I'm doing it once or twice and that's me done. Whereas this 100K range is something that you can recover from, which means you get more of it, which means you can, you know, have a season that has a long narrative, that you have consistency, that you can focus on your top athlete. That's what he's saying. Like it's not, it's all yeah. coming together, right? It's like the A team, you know, when a plan comes together, it works, right? Um, and this is what they're doing. Right, this is what he's seeing in his vision, and and Sam Renouf as well, who you know you, I'm put on the record a number of times. I think is a very good executive. Um, they know what they're doing, right? So this is the plan. It's not going to work with Iron Man because you do one Iron Man, you cooked for the next few weeks, right? You could potentially back this up, this hundred k up, a number of times in the year, create a product that is worthy, um, and build this into a template. And you would smash Ironman. Ironman racing for the pros would become, bleh, who knows? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this is, uh, the, as you say, the writing is on the wall here. This is the the vision and the goal. And, um, you know, it'll be, um, now they're just going to have to appease. You know, there's, a, I think, you know, from what I understand, there's a bunch of unhappy pros out there. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sh I sort of wonder how they could not have seen all of this coming. Um, this is, this is sort of the reality. Um, and if this, uh, if this pro thing is going to work and if there's going to be these kind of big money events and everything, this is what needs to happen. Of course it so. does. And if you're against it as a pro, then you know what, like this is the evolving. And if you, again, I a hundred percent agree, Kevin, if you didn't see the writing on the wall, when the Olympics decided to go to two hours, you know, like this is how it's always been. Look at the state of sport. It's consumable. It's been, you know, knocked down to a consumable product. And even a hundred K races are still, you know, like there's, there's hours in there. So you've got to make it. Absolutely. And, and, uh, they, you know, I will not be surprised if the Olympics go down to a sprint. That's the next I think there's, I think there are only two or, I feel like there's maybe two or three, um, even uh, quote unquote Olympic distance events in the world triathlon championship series this yep. year, uh, including the grand final. They are moving things down to that sprint and, um, it's on yep. its way. hundred percent. Well, Kevin, before we wrap this up, uh, a couple of quick shout-outs. Obviously, um, Jan Fredino grabbing the wild card was good. Um, they actually using a wild card. <laughs> well, there was a surprise. Yeah. I, I was totally shocked that they uh, gave him a wild card. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Um, and and But what I love is wild cards are there to be used, right? So bloody use them. You want him there. Of course you're going to give him one. So, you know, well played there. Um, I know we've given PTR a couple of little whacks today, but – uh, well done to to getting Fredino there. That's uh, just that just makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, shout out to to the Hoyts after the Boston Marathon. 
Um, they were absolutely um, hugely impactful in my uh, upbringing as a triathlete in the, of course, that famous 89 race when they got across the line. And if you ever get a chance to watch the broadcast, um, it will still make you cry. Uh, it is brilliant. And um, in the absence of Dick Hoyt, um, nice to see them, Kevin, getting some love. Yeah, the three uh, three grand uh, three of his grandchildren uh, did the race as part of Team White. They had twenty people: uh, Zdeno Chara, um, a former Boston Bruins hockey star, um, was also part of that team. So it was uh, kind of cool as yeah, well. So yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I, I, I they uh, the the Hoyts were at my very first full distance race. It wasn't an official Ironman race. The Bud Light Endurance. <laughs> Um, I was down in Cape Cod and, um, um, so, uh, I've been sort of following them since they started all of this craziness yeah. and, uh, or followed them, um, during all that. So yeah, it was really exciting to see. That was a fun story yeah, to write. And it, yeah, great people and, and a good one there. And the last one too, shout out to our buddy, uh, Heather Jackson, who took out a grav race, the sea otter. I think it was one of those races, um, Bike race because she's transitioned. She's a badass and uh, fun to see her riding that um, the grav. Yes, I need to uh, catch up on that. I feel like it was a Belgian waffle yeah, race, that's it. Um, and uh, I and I did see a quick video on that. So thanks for the reminder. Another story I need <laughs> to uh, get posted. Well, week. she's again. I, I have many fond memories of uh, having a, a couple of beers with her in Kona before she got into the Ironman game and um, she's good people. So nice to see her doing well and ending on a positive note, Kevin. Uh, very well done, Phil. <laughs> Not like you to end on a positive note there. Well, mate, we'll uh, let you get on your merry way. And uh, if you want anything in the world of triathlon, get onto uh, Triathlon Magazine Canada. It is a kick-ass website. Everything is just written perfectly for you to get involved with. Um, and it doesn't take much to get across all good things in this sport. Kevin, we will catch up in a week's time. Sounds great. Hey, thanks so much, Phil. And uh, enjoy the rest of your birthday week. Get out doing uh, lots of surfing and I stuff. Think we are on again tomorrow for a surf, so it is good. Uh, thanks again for listening. If you are running, riding, sitting around with some lavender eye patches on, just listening to the gold, we appreciate you. Um, give us some feedback if you like. You can catch us on the Twitter or around the social media traps. But this has been the life of Try Kevin. Thank you. We'll catch you in a week, buddy. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Life of Try. If you like us, tell your mates and follow us on Instagram at The Life of Try.